Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Coder32 shares his path from a non-target university background to a lower middle market private equity shop in the South. Learn how commercial lenders are getting very aggressive with pricing and covenants to win deals, and when this specific user knew it was time to make his jump to private equity. Enjoy. Coder32, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it'd be great if you could just give the listeners a quick bio. Yeah, so I went to kind of the epitome of a non-target school for undergrad uh, in the South, private liberal arts school. I didn't really know, you know, kind of what I wanted to do at first. Um, so I kind of went broad brush, got my basics, and kind of fell in love with, you know, economics and finance. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, we, it's not a big business school, given that it's, uh, it's about 1,200 kids, and uh, there's about 40 people in the whole finance program mm-hmm. or business school. Small, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was kind of tough figuring out, you know, what I wanted to do career-wise, you know, even though I knew that I wanted to do something in finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, you know, I really tried to focus on was, you know, leveraging any kind of connections that we had, uh, through the alumni base. And one of the alumni was, um, a former, so before we, uh, before we jump into, before we jump into that, just give broad brushstrokes of like what kind of where you been and then we'll dive into that stuff. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, So, uh, upon graduation, uh, you know, I got an offer at a kind of a super regional bank, uh, credit focused commercial bank in the South, Perfect. uh, you know, working on, you know, small business transactions or I guess credit, um, and also, you know, kind of middle market leverage loans. Yep. Uh, I worked there for about a year and a half. And decided I wanted to go over to the buy side. So with a lot of grit, uh, you know, I kind of made my way into uh, the buy side in the lower middle market. So currently I'm at a, you know, boutique private equity firm uh, focusing in the lower middle market, uh, kind of 2 million to 10 million EBITDA mm-hmm. firm sizes. Awesome. Uh, and that's that's where you're at today, right? And, that, and that's where I'm at. Second year here perfect so going back like let's go back to 
undergrad. And so you're saying you fall in love with economics, finance, and you, but you're not really sure what you want to do. So tell me about the thought process. Were you getting internships in like your sophomore year, your junior year, or were you just kind of lost? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, like not to hate on the school, it's a great school. <laughs> Learned a lot there. It's just not a good business program. That's fair. Uh, so there's not really a career services center that's set up to give you internships. Right. Uh, you know, once I, once I decided that I want to go into finance, you know, the closest uh, summer analyst program that I found was um, my dad's best friend was CEO of a GPO company. Mm-hmm. And so I went to work for him over the summer. What's GPO? What's a department. what's a GPO company? Oh, uh, yeah, group purchasing organization for Got healthcare. It. Got it. Okay. So they they consolidate like you know office gloves for you know acute care, Got it. Um, you know large hospital systems. They just they buy it all together, so you get a lower price. right. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So I did that and wasn't really big fan on healthcare. Uh, but knew I wanted to do something more finance. And, you know, while I was there, um, you know, my mentor told me that I really need to focus on, you know, looking for, you know, investment banking. Uh, and this was my junior year, right? So they were telling you that in your junior back, year? <laughs> they were telling me that in my junior year, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, look, looking back, obviously, you can laugh at it, but, you know, no, I was very who, green at the time. Who was this meant? No, it's okay. I mean, I barely, I barely knew what banking was when I was a junior. Um, although I got to say, you know, I'm much older than you. So 2001 is when I it was yeah. my junior year. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this banking thing? And luckily it wasn't too late for me. Um, but it's much more competitive nowadays. Yeah. So I'm surprised. So you hear about banking junior year. Who's this mentor of yours? Yeah, so he's a CFO of the company. He did uh, he did two years some analyst program mm-hmm. um, at a bulge bracket. Got it. And uh, you know he he kind of told me he's like you know listen like you know you know investment banking analysts like sucks right like you're going to be working hundred hours a week all this kind of stuff and and he's like you're a little late to the party. But if you can get in at, you know, kind of a, you know, not a, a bold bracket firm, mm-hmm. you know, you might have a shot. Right. 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 And so kind of what did you do with that information? What yeah, And, and when in your junior, when in your junior year was this? Like oh. at the beginning, I hope? This, so, yeah, this was the beginning. Okay, but, cool. So, yeah. So sophomore, I'm sorry, so sophomore, going into junior year that summer was when I did the uh, internship. Got it. And that's when he told you, like, hey, <laughs> this is what yeah. you need to do. It, you're, you're late, but try it. <laughs> Good. Okay. So then what, so, what did you do? You uh, went into career services? Yeah, I went back to career services, asked them about it. And, you know, the best thing that they could come up with was, hey, there's, a, um, there's an alum that works at Goldman. Uh, he may be able to, you know, see if he can do something. So I called him. You know, he's in wealth management. He tried to, you know, connect me and everybody I talked to kind of said, hey, you're a little late to the party, but, um, uh, you know, basically better luck next time you can apply, but don't expect anything. Right. So, you know, I kind of gave up on the uh, investment banking dream. (laughs) And so next best thing that I could think of was commercial banking. Mm and the, the, you know, the reason I wanted to go into commercial banking was just because, like, hey, I'll get, you know, broad industry experience. I'll, I'll be able to look at, you know, companies with a credit lens, 
um, to where eventually I can come, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not going to get a lot of underwriting experience in commercial banking. So tell me how but, I should even um, think about commercial banking. That's a pretty like broad term. So like just for the listeners and I'm not very familiar with it as well. So maybe you can educate me when I say commercial, when you say commercial banking, yeah. do you mean, I mean, cause so you were in the credit side, right? So you were looking at potentially the, the bank lending out to, you know, middle, middle sized businesses, um, that needed a loan for yeah. XYZ project or whatever. But, um, is that typically yep. what what's referred to when we say commercial banking, or is there kind of other? Is it... Yeah, this is the so this is the uh, the senior side on the capital stack for it could be LBOs, but um, got it. Term yeah, a, half my job. Term A loans and yeah, all that all, stuff. Yeah. Lower lower yield, less of the sexy stuff. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The safer capital. Yep. We, okay. We want all the all the uh, securitization, no risk. Got it. Okay. So. So yeah, so that's where I kind of uh, learned about more about private equity was when I was working on these, you know, middle market uh, LBOs mm-hmm. and doing the term sheets for it. Yep. And you know, everybody in commercial banking was, hey, like you know, private equity is so sexy, like this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it hard to work on those deals? Is it hard to work on those specific deals? Like, or is it just because you were at a good commercial bank that had a lot of private equity clients? Uh, yeah. So like if you're going to be, you know, large commercial banks and we were the smaller size of the large, or you're okay. going to get a lot of, you know, looks yep. at LBOs, uh, just because, you know, these private equity firms issue term sheets or they try to get as many term sheets as possible to get the lowest price right, or the most flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so were so you guys we, pressured we to like looked, loosen your covenants and drive your price to the ground? Like, that's that's an interesting yeah. question. Is like, what were the what were the standards, and did they deteriorate, or are they are they crazy right now? Um, do you want to give some yeah, just so color on that because I, I think that's interesting right now where we're at in the cycle. Yeah. So, yeah. So right now it's a it's a hot market. And I can kind of give you a little buy side and the credit side perspective of it. Yeah. You know, we're you know we uh, at the commercial bank. You know, you kind of know the market and, uh, you know, issuing, you know, uh, two times leverage on a, you know, an EBITDA of, you know, two million plus, you can, you can kind of go at prime, right? Mm-hmm. And where is prime right now? Do you some, even know? I don't even know where it's at. Where it's I, I don't four? Know, five, five, four and a half, five. Okay. Four, okay. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, so you can go around Prime, and um, you know, we even had some people, some competing banks that would issue, you know, you know, senior debt below Prime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fifty bits below, which is is getting aggressive, and they're just trying to win on price. And one of the one of the flexibility standpoints that you can have is like a credit guy is you know lowering the uh, excess cash flow sweep out of the gate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of these guys are trying to get, you know, a minimum of 25% of that uh, starting in like the second quarter of the transaction. And what, how much um, do they typically sweep excess cash flow? How much do you, 50% of it, 20% of it? Yeah, so it's, it's, it steps up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it can go like start to, you know, 25%, then 50%. Yeah. Um, it really depends on the riskiness of loan. Higher risk, obviously, higher Sweet. excess cash flow suite. Yep. Okay. 
so you know, one of the ways to be competitive is just to lower that or you know mitigate it for the first year. Yep. Uh, and and that's really what we saw on the credit side on being competitive was the more you can move around or lower that sweep, the more likelihood you would get of you know winning that. That makes credit. sense. That makes sense. Okay, so sorry, just yeah. a little tangent there because I, I found it interesting. Um, and yeah. so specifically, you're so you're at the you, you break into. Let's talk about before that. You did a master's, correct? Yeah. So uh, you know, part of I did part time, and I started it after I had joined uh, the commercial bank, mm-hmm. and I I did it once we started working on you know LBOs because I wanted to learn more about the process. Yep. So do you feel like so, that was helpful? Oh, I mean, it's still, I mean, people will tell you, even an MBA from a top school, if you don't have pre-MBA private equity experience, it's almost impossible to get in post-MBA. Did you know any of this going in? Had you done research? It sounds like you had your sights on PE, even though you were at a commercial bank. Yeah. Is that accurate? Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, right. yeah. so, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, so kind of kind of the thought process was, you know, when I when I was looking at, where I'm at, you know, I'm at a commercial bank and I'm trying to get over to the buy side. What can I do to better my, you know, resume, my skill set to move over given that I don't have a traditional background. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I thought would help me stand out is getting a, you know, master of science and finance degree, not from a, you know, top university, but from a decent university still, mm-hmm. you know, not a target school, but it's, it was local. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the reason I did did the master's program and I did it part time during uh, commercial banking. And then I also, um, you know, started studying for the CFA, uh, just really trying to broaden my skill set mm-hmm. so that I would you know, stand out as a candidate for you know, a new job. OK, so you're you're let's talk a little bit about first before we jump there. Let's go back to like when you were applying for these commercial banking so you thought okay commercial banking and then tell me was it still a struggle to get the commercial banking role and what were those interviews like that that process uh no no anybody can get in commercial banking <laughs> i think that uh like where did you know, even apply like was the, it on, was there any on campus like was it just drop resume drops online somewhere and how did you even find the opportunity yeah so yeah so at grad school i saw i definitely saw like uh them coming on campus um and they'd go around, you know, the Texas region mm-hmm. uh, on the campus, but they didn't come onto my undergrad. Um, I found them just uh, job searching uh, through, I think, Indeed. Okay. Okay. So, um, but yeah, you got it. Actually worked. Up, you did a resume drop. Thinking. You did a resume drop there, and it worked. You got it. Yeah. You got an interview. Was your yeah. G- was your GPA pretty high at your undergrad? Yeah, three. I mean, three seven. Not three seven. Okay. Extremely high. Um, and then the interviews was mostly like fit, like, does this guy seem sharp yeah. and, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you have your recruiter call and they kind of walk through like very minor, minor technicals, like how do you calculate, you know, quick ratio. Um, and if you pass that, you go to their, I guess it's their version of a super day, which is, uh, you just meet with four people. Uh, one's a technical interview, and then three are mo- mostly fit. Okay. Um, and you know, there, it's a high attrition, you know, pool of analysts. So 
they're always looking for somebody. If you're confident and you know the basics, um, you know, it's, it's a shoe in. So where are most people going from commercial banking? Like, where are they jumping to next? Because I know you, you ended up going to lower middle market private equity, but to me that seems pretty rare. Where are most of those people jumping? Yeah. He said the attrition's pretty high uh, say, or low. Attrition's low. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, well, yeah, attrition. Yeah. So out of the, uh, the 25 people that were in my analyst class, mm-hmm. there's one other guy that went to um, a boutique investment bank. I went over to the buy side and everybody else went to another commercial bank and are you know, junior lenders now. Okay. Got it. So, so uh, pretty you know, small, yeah, most people, pretty impressive what yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about it. So yeah, you no, you kind yeah. of were thinking, I'm going to rebrand myself. You know, I'm going to get a master's in finance, have a little bit more of the hard knowledge, know a little bit more about the LBO process. This is your thought process. But you're also studying for the CFA at the same time, which is a little more like, I guess it's a little more buy side, but it's not really relevant to the to no. PE, is it? I mean, so it's kind of surprised me that you would spend so much time studying for the CFA. Did you end up taking it or, or passing? Uh, yeah, so I took I took it and go into level two, but you know the the real reason I took it is um, you know just more financial knowledge. I know it's more like your asset managers, and, right? You know, being in a in a, a traditional fund setting, it does help. Yeah. Um, so that, there is that argument, um, and it's it's really just you know what what else is there to do? Um, but you get your PhD in finance. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's really just my differentiation tool. That's it. I got it. So it makes sense. It just it just helps you a little bit more. Shows that you're a hard worker. Um, you're you're doing all these things. Yeah. You're doing the masters kind of part time. You're doing the CFA as well. And did you stack that right after you got the masters? So you're doing. Did you jump into the CFA right after? What was the timing looking like? So yeah, yeah, right after. Right after. Okay, and so during this whole time when you're getting the masters, working you know part time, and then you're you're working also um, full time. It's I guess the hours weren't crazy. Yep. Was it forty ish hours a week for the? Uh, at the commercial bank. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's your traditional show up at eight, eight, five. Got it. So 40-ish hours. You're probably doing another what ten to twenty hours a week on the the masters, and then. Yep. And then, okay, so you finish that. You're like, I have, I have more free time again. I can do the CFA. And so at what point yep. do you say, I'm ready, I'm branded, I'm going to start networking, or were you doing it all along? Yeah, so w- once I got, you know, a year into the program, or the credit analyst program, I got a promotion to senior analyst. And, you know, the writing was on the wall within, you know, six months, you know, the program ends, and you become a junior lender uh, if, if, if promoted. And I knew I didn't want to do that. So, you know, kind of right when I got my promotion, I started looking um, to, to leave. Got it. And so when that was how many years? That was a year in or so? That was a year in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you were worried if you stayed too long, you were going to get kind of pigeonholed and you didn't even want to get to the junior lender position, even though it looked good if you got promoted fast because then it's kind of like you're you're stuck there. Was that the thought process? Yeah, and it's just uh, you know there's a lot of cold calling in the uh, junior lender Got area. It. Less process. Not something that I wanted to do. Yeah, and it's you know I wanted something that I was more value add than cold calling. So how did you start? So you get the promotion. How do you start the whole process? You're like, okay, private equity is my dream, my goal. You what yeah, do you, what do, you do? Exact way that I got into commercial banking. 
I, you know, kind of did a bunch of resume drop, uh, as you call it, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, utilized all my contacts and, you know, everybody was kind of saying the same thing, like, hey, you don't have, you know, traditional experience, uh, but we like you as a person. Uh, let me introduce you to this person, this person. So and I kind of, you know, went around um, and, and funny enough, I never had any, you know, private equity um, connections at all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I thought that it was kind of a mystical, like you couldn't get in. Right. Um, so I just, you know, look up, you know, analyst associate level jobs for, for the buy side. And I found one, I applied and had a few interviews and I was in. And so what do you think made you stand out? I mean, it seems like weren't there a bunch of bankers going for that same job? There were, there were, um, you know, what makes me stand out? No, cause so, it, no, I, I mean, that, it's kind of a generic question, but it just seems surprising to me that they took a risk on a guy from a non-target with credit analyst experience at a commercial bank over, say some kids at, you know, a top middle market bank or something in, in the region. You know what I mean? Is, is something from the initial, yeah, well, was it something from the initial networking that you feel like you're just good at connecting with people? Well, I'll just, I mean, I'll be candid with you. It's also a compensation issue with uh, lower middle market. Kind of, it's basically a startup. It's been around for five years. Got it. Um, and, you know, they're not going to pay, you know, analysts, you know, investment banking analyst salaries. Got it. So they're not necessarily um, looking for the it. traditional candidate. So it's a way for you to so get into the buy out. side. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yep, exactly. And so I think that's, you know, one thing to focus on is, you know, there's there's actually a lot of, you know, these same kind of like very boutique private equity, you know, firms around the nation that, you know, have a couple partners that are, you know, spinoffs that need some junior guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they can train you know, you up, like you don't need necessarily like full, like, um, you know, valuation techniques and everything though. I had it from my, from my master's degree. I'm just, you know, a, a cheaper alternative. No. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. We're working on a role right now, similar, very uh, small, smaller, lower or middle market fund out in California. And they even said like, I don't think we can afford a banker. They're like, we're just looking for, you know, 70,000 to 90,000 all in. And for the Bay Area, that's not yep. making very much. <laughs> and, but they, they understand. Yeah, They're like, yeah. but but I thought it was interesting because for someone super junior, it's actually very um, – it's smart to me to be able to get that experience and, and take the pay – even maybe a pay cut um, for some of these people. Yeah. Um, if you are a banker and you do want to get to the buy side, you want to have that interesting – that type of work and taste it. Once you have that experience for like a couple of years and let's say you get promoted at the smaller fund, like there's nothing stopping you from going out and applying at larger funds, right? right? So I, I think, yeah, and, yeah, and it's, it's relevant, yeah. you know, and I assume that's what you're doing or are you thinking long-term stay yeah. at this fund? Yeah, that was, that was my rationale going forward. It's like, hey, like none of the bol- none of like the elite boutiques are going to like take me, right? Yeah. Uh, just given my, I mean, you can charm them as much as you want, but there's, it's just it's black and white that they're not going to. So, you know, you got to start at the smaller firm and, you know, kind of, you know, get your deal experience, work for a few years, you know, maybe get a promotion, kind of, uh, you know, prove yourself that you, you know, have the capabilities to work in private equity and then you can move forward from there. And how are your hours there? 
So they're usually 70 to 80 hours. Oh, so it's pretty, not, you know, that's a lot. It's not, yeah. It's not crazy, but they're, they're not good hours necessarily. And do you mind sharing your pay or a range of pay? Is it, um, it doesn't have to be exact. But, yeah. 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 So they, they give me like right at six figures. Okay. So it's not, I assume, was it a pay jump though for you? Um, or after the promotion, you were making more than that as the senior credit yeah, analyst? Yeah. Yeah, so analyst, you know, you're making, you know, like a 65 base with, you know, up to a $5,000 bonus. That's not really so you that do, much. So it was, a pay, it was a pay jump for you. Um, but it's it was, just, Yeah, it was definitely a pay jump. Hourly, probably not. <laughs> so it's basically you're making about the same hourly, but uh, you're going from about seventy to 100000 but you're, you're putting in the hours for it, but getting great experience. Let's think That's of it. Right. So I don't okay. have a side job anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not yeah are you i assume you're not doing the cfa now with these hours you went to level two no no, no. yeah so so it's interesting to me because i feel like there are a lot of these types of opportunities out there for people who don't have the traditional yeah. background who are willing to go to the smaller funds that do the deals in the two to ten million dollar range and um there's a lot of upside in those types of deals too um Absolutely. It's also hard to get deals done, though, to be fair, at that range, because the <laughs> the professionalism of the management teams can be non-existent, and you're doing a lot of hand-holding, and it can be <laughs> a lot of motion. So it's, you know, it's not for everybody, yep. but if if you're, if it, if the guys and gals that kind of lead that, lead that fund have come from a good place and seem to have good traction, then I, I think it can be worth the risk for sure. So Yeah, and it's also you get a lot of operational experience, you know, yeah. working with limited management teams like you're the one in there you know helping them out also so what would you say in terms of i'm still you know it sounds like you you got in because it wasn't it's it was a small fund it was a startup fund there was a lot of kind of um it wasn't your traditional thing where like all these bankers were hammering there would you have any advice in terms of other people who come from let's say um commercial banking that are looking for these opportunities besides like just looking online um can they create yeah. their own opportunities where it just LinkedIn networking, that type of thing? What would you suggest? Yeah, I think that, you know, most of these kind of lower middle market firms are, you know, they're very networking heavy. So mm -hmm. they're in all like the major groups, you know, like, uh, you know, we're really big on, you know, ACG events. So if you can get like a list from ACG or, you know, go on ACG websites, see when their upcoming things are mm -hmm. and, you know, just, you know, find some email addresses, you know, it's, it wouldn't be that hard to find all these lower middle market, you know, firms that are, uh, looking to hire junior level guys. I need to go to ACG and just become a speaker there and tell everyone about our new, um, talent oasis, our recruiting arm. Cause it's ridiculous that no, you, yeah, you really do. I really do. It's just ridiculous to me that they're not all coming to us. <laughs> it's like, we're the perfect yeah. match for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not the best at business dev. Um, but I do yeah. enjoy these conversations. We're actually, yeah. We're actually looking for another, or we will be looking for another junior guy. So there you I'll go. To, Perfect. Uh, yeah. We'll hook it up. I'll, uh, I'll send you the deck right after, after this call. But, um, okay. so anything else before we call it, I, you know, you're obviously a little more junior. You haven't gone through many, you know, 10 years of, of a career yet, but anything you'd look back sure. that you would change? Would you, would you have gone to a different undergrad school or did you enjoy your time there? Would you have changed anything along the way so far? Or do you feel confident that you're on the right path? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, looking forward, I think that I'm in the, you know, I don't have the pedigree of, you know, going to a, a target school, going to, you know, a good bank and then jumping over to like an elite boutique. But I think in, you know, four to five years, I can get to the same place mm-hmm. uh, that all the guys did. So it's, you know, looking, looking back now, I, I don't think I would change it. And it's just, you know, kind of, um, you know, recognition that you don't need to do the typical, you know, background to get here. And is your plan to stay in private equity or the buy side? Or are you thinking potentially maybe go to sell side, go to the bank, go to like a, like a boutique, you said? No, I'm, I'm enjoying the, the <laughs> cushy lifestyle of the buy side. Cushy, I don't know, 70, 80 hours. It's not too cushy. <laughs> it's, it's pretty banking. Uh, well, junior level. Junior yeah. level. It's true. It's true. Fair enough, man. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking the time for uh, to, to kind of share your knowledge and share your path with everybody. Um, it, was, yeah. it was enjoyable. So thank you. I uh, appreciate it. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. And until next time.